We're talking fashion on today's Locked On Nets podcast. The new Brooklyn Nets jersey has been released, uh, along with some Atlantic Division over-unders. And of course, Josh gets you up to speed on the one-on-one game at his work. All that and more on Locked On Nets. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back here with another edition of the Locked On Nets podcast. I'm your tried and true host, Josh Bass, a lifelong fan of the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Despite all the jersey changes over the years, I've been with them every step of the way. Uh, And we'll get into all that, some over-unders on the the Atlantic Division uh, foes that the Nets will be facing this year, and the Nets themselves, and, and how we're prognosticating based on what our good friends in Vegas think. Uh, But of course, to join me every step of the way this season, it's my good friend, Marcus Barahal. Marcus, how are you doing? I'm good, Josh. Uh, We're recording this late on a Thursday night, and the Nets have a a preseason game tomorrow. So I'm sure we'll react to that after it happens. But it's just good to be so close to the action, I guess. It's it's almost happening. It's here. It's, It's almost here. Uh, definitely very exciting. Kyrie Irving, uh, not likely to play, and actually I think just won't play uh, Friday night per per Coach Kenny. But um, it will be interesting to see a lot of the the new guys get to see uh, Nick Claxton, who's generating a lot of buzz in camp, and uh, I'm excited for it and have a very strong test against Basket Franca of Brazil. Yeah, they should be good this year. You know, I think we're both expecting big things from. Basket Franca. Does David Locke have a, uh, a Brazilian <laughs> league uh, podcast in the works? If not, I, I think we could maybe double dip and do Locked on Basket Franca as well. Ooh, okay, I like that. <laughs> or if you, if someone out there is an expert in the audience, hit us up and we'll connect you with the right people at the uh, the Locked On Podcast Network. Of course, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Himalaya. Um, we will be there, and you can check us out. Uh, Marcus, first, before we get into things, let me give an update on this uh, one-on-one game. That oh, please. I've had, I've had people asking me about this like in real life, so I'm, I'm excited to hear this. This is big. This is big. Um, so after work on Wednesday, the two players, uh, Ben and Adam, went to the court, and then about 10 of us walked over to see them play uh, and it got a little chippy. Really? I was very pleasantly surprised about. Oh, wow. <laughs> Especially, so at the first, so basically to give you the scouting report on these two guys, Adam's like 6'2", kind of like wiry, uh, and Ben is like 5'10", um, kind of like relatively fast, but also like he's not like, I think he's just like a great basketball player, but he's not like, an insane all-around athlete or anything like that. So the first two plays, Adam just like backed him down, bodied him, and got and got layups that would have been in ones if it was a five-on-five game. And then after that, Ben just took over, was hitting step backs, drilling threes in his face. So he won the first game 11-4. The second game, he was up 9-6, and it was getting really physical. Um, ben was mad that Adam was calling uh, what he thought were some soft fouls. They were going to us as mm. the... Uh, the crowd to see what we thought, but we didn't really want to pick sides. Although <laughs> I did have some takes. Uh, and then it just started pouring rain. 
Oh, no. I know. But then, so it was already 9-6 Ben in the second game, and they decided to call it for him. But uh, it was, there was some good trash talk in the office today. Wow. So Ben took it, uh, like, basically a game in three quarters to zero? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And what was, like, the was the trash talk? Like, did they keep it, like, relatively decent? Like, are they able to still work together? So they got lunch together today. Just then Oh, wow. Stopped. But I did not think this was going to be possible because they were it, it wasn't PG-13 rate stuff. This is not stuff that we'd be saying on the Lockdown Nets podcast. Really? Wow. Who was the instigator of that? Was it Ben? No, nah, Adam. Oh, really? I thought because you said that uh, Adam was calling the fouls, Ben was complaining. I thought maybe Ben was then like, you ben know, was maybe questioning some stuff. And Adam was going back at it. And then like people were asking us, saying like, oh, like, because we were all in, in business clothes. And then those two were in gym clothes. They're like, is this a bad? <laughs> We're like, yeah, we're just seeing who the best player at the office is. Just you didn't them. compete in that? No, I didn't. I oh, left wow. that. Shosh, you could have splashed some threes in their face. I could have. Maybe in the future. I'm a five-on-five five player. That's you... true, yeah. But anyway, that's that's the update there. Any other uh, office basketball updates, I will um, keep you all posted. But let's get into some NBA action. A, a little bit slightly higher quality of action. Uh, over-unders, I love this. I, I always love um, when the lines come out, especially as you get close to the season. You get really um, to see how, how rosters are taking shape and who's doing well in camp. So do we want to save the Nets for last? Do we want to start with them? What are you thinking? Um, let's go in order of like the over-under totals. So let's like start with maybe the worst one. Okay, so... Uh, unfortunately, don't don't want to take any shots, but those are our friends uh, across the river, the New York Knicks, the team you're a fan of, Marcus. <laughs> Westgate has them at 27.5. Last year, they won 17-65. Uh, did not make any super notable free agent acquisitions that they were expected to. Did get Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, drafted R.J. Barrett. So Nick's twenty seven and a half. How are you feeling about that? Um, I promise this is not a homer pick. It's actually kind of the opposite. I'm gonna say a slight over, if only because I think that there's no way that the Knicks can get like the top odds in the draft two years in a row. And I think that, like they have in the majority of years past, they're gonna screw it up and like accidentally win twenty eight, twenty nine games. And I think that they have guys on that team like uh, Julius Randle. Taj Gibson, uh, like a lot of their new additions who are like exclusively power forwards are guys who are going to play hard. And I think unless they trade those guys, they're going to like wind up winning some games accidentally against teams that are like fully embracing the tank at the end of the year. Yeah, the thing with with the Knicks is that I feel the the pieces they've signed are a complete mismatch with some of their young guys. So complete mismatch with Kevin Knox, RJ Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, because they basically just all signed forwards that besides Taj Gibson, all of them really like to shoot and have the ball in their hands. So especially when you have a, a team like this, you need a point guard that it can at least be low usage and like get the team organized. And that is probably the opposite of Dennis Smith. So even <laughs> though he is talented, I think he's a, not the right point guard for this team. They're not the right players alongside him. And I don't think Fizdale is a bad coach by any stretch, but I just think he has a very uphill climb. And I don't know if he's well equipped to um, be getting these guys in the in the right kind of flow on both ends of the court because I just think 
both offensively and defensively. I mean, offensively, there's just really no spacing for anyone on this team. There's just no shooting. Um, and then defensively, you know, Mitchell Robinson can cover up for a lot of mistakes, but you need people on the perimeter that are really going to get into people. And that's just not the identity that these guys have. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, they're not going to really have a tough defensive team. Although guys like Taj Gibson, I think, take a lot of pride on that end. They're probably a little bit like past their prime in his case or in the case of other guys that they acquire, just like not really interested in that. And then, like you said, they don't really have shooting and they don't really have passing, which are like two pretty uh, important those skills fit, right? in basketball. I, I think, yeah, usually you need those those two skills. So that, that's a tough spot to be in for sure. Yeah, but I mean, we'll see. And I think, listen, 17 games last year, I think they'll, they'll win more than that. I just don't see them hitting 28 wins to get the over. That's fair. Yeah, I, I think they'll definitely improve on last year's record. Though. I mean, it's tough not to. But. It is tough not to. So the second lowest odds in the Atlantic division belongs to uh, your Brooklyn Nets. 44 wins, Marcus. They won 42 last year. We don't need to recap the offseason for you all, but uh, 44, I'll, I'll start with this one. I feel pretty good about this because you have to remember, even though Kyrie Irving, let's say that's just a neutral upgrade on, on D'Angelo Russell, even though I think it's a lot more. Obviously, the power forward spots we talked about nauseam, losing Jared Dudley, who was a surprisingly key contributor last year. Rodion's Kurtz, the situation's very um, kind of muddled with him right now. No Damari Carroll, but I think Torian Prince is going to be a boon for this team, especially when you think about that he was traded for Alan Crabb, who contributed literally nothing. And Karis LeVert had the injury where he was out for months last year. He's going to be back, um, even if he doesn't necessarily play at the level he was at the start of last year in the playoffs. I think he's going to be a very solid contributor. Spencer Dinwiddie missed time last year. And I think with the three perimeter creators that the Nets have in Kyrie, LeVert, and Dinwiddie, even if one of those guys does go down, they just have so much firepower in place like they did last year that they can withstand that. Um, Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan make for a really good center combination. I think DeAndre could actually have a really nice year more, now that he's in more of a support role. Um, and you have some some shooting there. Joe Harris had a career year last year. So I, I think 44 wins, especially in the East, where there's a lot of weak teams like Washington, um, like the Knicks. You have uh, teams like Chicago and Atlanta that people think could be better, but I'm not sold on it. Charlotte, of course, will be a disaster. So I think the Nets are um, probably going to go, when when it comes down to it, when I make my official pick, 46 and 36 or so. Um, but I feel pretty good about them going over that 44 number. Yeah, I think I, I'm also expecting them to be in that like 45 to 48 win range, probably. I think that as long as the culture from last year can hold up, the like roster changes they've made, like the guys on the fringes should kind of cancel out. Like the guys you mentioned, like Dudley, Carroll, Ed Davis, those guys have kind of been replaced by uh, DeAndre Jordan, Garrett Temple, and then Torian Prince, like you mentioned, who's like a big X factor. But then when you look at like Kyrie is an upgrade over D'Lo, as good as D'Lo was last year, and getting the full year of Karras, I think that that should be worth at least three wins of improvement on that 42 and 40 record last year. So yeah, I think that the Nets over is... Maybe the one that I feel safest about in this division. Yeah, well, I know we'll get to one more that I feel a lot safer about. <laughs> and I feel good about the Knicks under. But yeah, I, th- I think it makes sense. I just don't think the Nets have, you know, the power forward position's a weakness. But I feel besides that, there's no like glaring weakness that I see on this team. Like the defense, I think, will be the talent is okay on defense. And Kenny will have them playing hard offense. 
their system's good and they have enough creators where I think they'll be in the top top half of the league. Uh, and I think Kyrie over over D'Lo. I mean, Kyrie, frankly, is just a much more feared scorer and better all-around at all three levels. So D'Lo, his big weakness was one getting to the hole and finishing there. And Kyrie isn't, he's not going to be confused with um, Russell Westbrook and his ability to get to uh, the foul line and get into the paint, but he is much better than D'Angelo Russell at that. So I think that will help the Nets offense as well. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned the weak spot at power forward. I feel like that probably isn't going to come up a ton unless they're playing the Knicks, just because that's the only team that has uh, power forwards. Exactly. The Knicks, what a throwback. What a throwback. <laughs> so next up is uh, the reigning champions, the Toronto Raptors, won 58 games last year. Uh, the over-under is 46. Obviously, the big loss, Kawhi Leonard going to the Clippers, um, Danny Green was a, another important loss for them as well. Uh, he's now with uh, with LeBron and Anthony Davis as a Laker. Uh, I'm pretty, I'm not sure about this one. On one hand, the Raptors did great last year without Kawhi. Um, but even still, you have to think that with guys like um, Serge Ibaka, who did have a really nice renaissance year, and Marcus Gasol, who are kind of more towards the twilight of their career. Those guys can slip a little bit. How is Pascal Siakam going to deal with being the number one option? Um, you have a really good backup point guard in Fred Van Vliet. But remember, they did lose a lot of their depth from the trades they made last year. They uh, did get Marcus Gasol at the trade deadline, but they shipped off Valanciunas, who was a really potent scorer for them, and then DeLon Wright, who was another uh, kind of steady backup. So they really don't have the depth that they've had in previous years, and they need supporting guys um, like Fred Van Fleet and OG Ananobi to really step up. They need Kyle Lowry to uh, be at the level he's been, not necessarily last year, but in prior years where he was playing at an all-star level um, because he definitely had, has had a decline. So they need him to be probably carry more of a scoring load than, in, than he did last year, and I'm just not sure if he's equipped for that at this point in his career. Yeah, this was also the toughest call for me. I think I'm going to say slightly under, but, yeah, the thing that's making me think that it could be over is that record that they had last year without Kawhi because it seemed like they were kind of able to play uh, regardless of who was on the floor during the regular season, at least. I think during the playoffs, they'll miss him a lot more, obviously, especially once rotations get tightened up. And any depth that they have had in the past few years that have been like an asset would uh, not necessarily help them. But I think during the regular season, uh, they've been a team that's like consistently the last few years been able to develop guys in the G League and with Nick Nurse like getting his start there and kind of uh, being a coach, I guess, from that background, I think he's a guy who believes during the regular season in getting all those guys minutes, getting them all uh, involved, and like just keeping everyone engaged and interested. And I think that that goes a long way in the regular season. So they could definitely get wins. Like they're probably not going to lose to a lot of bad teams, but they're probably also not going to beat like any of the top teams very often. Um, and you mentioned OG Ananobi. I think that he like Karis LeVert for the Nets, is like a huge X factor where if he can come in and be kind of what Siakam was last year and Siakam can take another step up offensively, then I think that that really raises the ceiling for this team. But if not, then they are kind of relying on those older guys like Lowry and Gasol to be like second and third options, which is not going to be as sustainable. Right. Yeah, I just think they're without that star talent, they're going to have, they're going to have trouble closing out games. And who knows, maybe they take some of their guys, maybe they, they find a way um, to make Norman Powell more consistent, or they're able to rehabilitate Rondé Hollis Jefferson, or, and who knows, you know, given the, the kind of the player development staff they have, 
with Masai Ujiri's ability to find talent and the great job that you mentioned that Nick Nurse did last year. I wouldn't put it past them. I just feel the overall shell of this team, uh, it's definitely if it doesn't it has the pedigree, but it doesn't have the talent necessarily of a forty six win team. Yeah, I think that's right. So well, it'll be interesting to see how, how that pans out with Toronto. I'm I'm really fascinated to see um, how their season uh, folds. Want to talk to you about some clothing that's also very near and dear to my heart. It's Indochino. Uh, Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering code LOCKEDON at checkout. And Indochino has incredible stuff. You can very, very easily spend $400 or upwards there. And getting that savings is uh, not too shabby. Here is the next team. This is the one I was mentioning. Boston Celtics, 49 and a half wins. They only won 49 last year. Um, they lost Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, Aaron Baines, did gain um, Kemba Walker and Ennis Cantor. And a lot of people are, are saying that just given the friction between Kyrie and then also Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown last year, it's going to make them a lot better. But just from a talent uh, pers- perspective, it's clear that they really have downgraded. Yeah, I think that's right. This is like a pretty clear under for me. And I think a lot of people are relying on that narrative of like, now that Kyrie's gone, like these guys are all super close now, so they'll play better, which I think is probably true to a degree, but I think it's like being way overestimated relative to the talent drop-off. Like even like, let alone Horford to Cantor, which is obviously like massive. I think even Kyrie to Kemba is like a slight drop-off talent-wise. And that mm-hmm. can probably be made up from the chemistry side, but the the Horford uh, to Cantor drop-off is just huge. And yeah, I, I think for them to hit the over, they have to be a 50-win team, which I just don't expect. Yeah, and Baines was, was has been great for them in his yeah. seasons there. And, yeah. you have, and like I get it, yes, Gary Terry is kind of addition by subtraction at this point. Um, but really, like they're they're relying a lot on guys like Time Lord to to fill in, who is given by his nickname Time Lord. That's ironic that he's always late. He's not reliable, and you're relying also on rookies like um, Grant Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, who guys I like. But there's a reason those guys weren't super high draft picks. You know, it's not like they can go out there and be guaranteed to give you 20 good minutes. Romeo Langford's a huge project. Semi Ojale, people like him, but um, he's still kind of uh, not, he's not able to create his own shot and his three-point shot's unreliable as well. So um, we'll see how it plays out. They do have some nice depth pieces. Daniel Tice is someone that I think can really step into minutes and and be a good player. And who knows how Cantor is um, in Brad Stevens' system. But I'm just not sure. There's still a lot of moving parts here. You still have the awkwardness of Gordon Hayward um, it's his, his second season back now. And is he going to be able to recapture, um, some of his form from the second half last year where he looked pretty good or was that kind of a mirage? And I think he's probably going to be the biggest swing player for them. Yeah. And that's a great point actually. And I, I, I do think that they will be like a playoff team. they will be a solid team, but yeah, I'm expecting them to be like around where I expect the Nets to be, which is like 45, 46 ish wins and 50 just seems out of reach. Yeah, this is probably the, my my biggest lock that they're going to go under that 49 and a half. Uh, and it's not me being a Celtics hater. I do hate the Celtics, but this is an unbiased take. Yeah, I also hate the Celtics. Uh, it's probably slightly biased, but 
<laughs> I still I still think so. Yeah, and then last one, let's just do this quickly. Sixers, 55 wins, obviously had a very active offseason, considered uh, one of the two favorites to come out of the East alongside Milwaukee, um, have a, a very imposing, uh, both physically and skill-wise, starting five. No Jimmy Butler, but got Josh Richardson in the trade, who's a great 3 and D wing, obviously made the huge Al Horford signing. Um, Sixers, how are you feeling over under 55? Um, I'm going to say over. I think 55 is like the floor that I expect for this team. So I think that uh, I'd pick the over here. I'd be more surprised basically if they got only like 53 or 54 wins. I'd be more surprised by that than if they got to like 60. I think that it's like them and the Bucks at the top of the conference. And I think that uh, Horford's going to be huge for them, especially uh, like they can rest Joel Embiid on certain nights and not have to worry about like what happened in the Nets series where they're starting just like random guys, uh, complete cast off. So that'll be huge. I think Josh Richardson was like a really, really nice pickup uh, for a guy in Jimmy Butler who like wanted to leave. And I think that if Ben Simmons can kind of take on more of that play playmaking uh, responsibility that we saw Butler having in the playoffs, that's going to be huge for the team. Overall, though, I just expect them to be like far and away one of the two best teams in the East this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think just on talent, they they have it alone. So even though their bench is weak, um, they really night in and night out, just given their star power. Uh, and even if of those five guys, they just really need two of them to be on per night to carry you to a win. So um, I, I think that they're going to be an excellent team this year. Uh, I think probably I would go the over 55. I think 56, 57, definitely likely in an outside shot of, of getting 60 as well. So I'm with you on that. Yeah, for sure. And, and same, like, I could pretty much say that same thing about Milwaukee. I think both of them, it's kind of a toss-up for me who finishes first in the conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting. We'll talk about, we'll kind of give our, our rundown for, for playoff picks and seeding as we get closer to the regular season kicking off. No shots to um, the Brazilian team that the Nets are playing. But once the real <laughs> season kicks into gear, We'll give our picks. I don't know. I, I think I'm still toying with that. Uh, but I'll have a few weeks to ruminate on it. Uh, so let's talk jerseys. So, Marcus, the Nets uh, have unveiled a new jersey that they're going to be wearing uh, t- for 22 games this year. Kind of a lot. Uh, but it is kind of a, a gray with r- white graffiti letter- lettering. It, they call it the Statement Edition uniform. It's by... Um, Brooklyn-based artist Eric Hayes, and I kind of love it. Am I am I off on this? I'm I'm really into this. No, I'm completely with you. Actually, we didn't talk about our it's... opinions beforehand, but yeah, I love this also. Like even down to like the specific like shade of gray that they're using, I really like that uh, like slightly lighter shade, and just the font itself being different, being unique, like representing the city also is I think like it's really good. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, the font is like just pops off the screen. I love that. Um, I like the black shading in between the letters. Like, yeah, the color of gray is an interesting, an interesting point that you bring up. It actually is really good. You know, they used to go with that darker shade of gray, especially when they were in New Jersey and it was those finals teams. And because I remember I had a Kenyon Martin kind of a darker gray jersey, and I think this color just pops a lot more. It's just a very, very clean looking jersey. Uh, I'm excited for. It. I liked what the NBA has been doing the past few years with really. Um, you know, first it was the nickname jerseys that w- were kind of uh, born in about six years ago. I think it was the Nets and Celtics really played the first uh, 
nickname Jersey, but I love what they're doing. Just, I know for them, they're trying to get new jerseys, create more revenue. Um, but I don't know. I like that, that the team has teams have a lot of optionality with picking these jerseys and it really, uh, especially with this one gives the team a sense, uh, really a sense of being able to bring their unique culture and, uh, alive on a Jersey with, and that's what Eric Hayes has done. Uh, and I love that they used a Brooklyn based artist for it. Yeah, I was like reading, there's like a little bio about him on uh, NBA.com now. And he's worked with guys like uh, Basquiat and Keith Haring, which are like super cool uh, artists. Basquiat, uh, perhaps most famous for starting that haircut that The Weeknd used to have, the like big flop. So uh, that's very, very, very well respected. And Keith Haring, great artist as well. Love those little guys holding hands. Great pattern that you see everywhere. Um, But also, Josh, I wanted to point out that like when I was going to look up this story i just googled nets new jersey and i was like oh that's just that's what the team was before oh wow i was like i was getting like a bunch of highlights from like when they were in new jersey and i was like oh that makes sense yeah and if if you're half the announcers on the national games you'll still call them that (laughs) hubie brown maybe stop this here we're gonna if, if you hear uh, someone call the Nets the New Jersey Nets on a national feed, please uh, tweet at us. We're, we're going to keep a running tally this year because, it, one, I cringe every time I hear it. Two, it's just disrespectful. Uh, and we need to take it upon ourselves to make it stop. We're going to start a campaign right now. Uh, please Venmo us for, uh, <laughs> to, for, for us to, to kind of pull our capital together so we can stop this major problem once and for all. Yeah, I mean it's been a long time. Also, like it's it's been almost a decade at this point. So maybe maybe pick up on it. Do your research. No, got it. Got to do your research. Uh, and that's what we did with these overunders. We'll be back in your ear uh, this weekend to talk through the preseason game. There's finally basketball. I am so excited for this. It's going to be a incredible season. Uh, again. Subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever you find us. Rate and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, I am at JM Bass underscore Marcus is at Marcus Farahall. And the podcast is at Locked On Nets. And until next time, be well. Bye.